Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 157 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Dave Mosher. Dave is a software developer who has been building web applications since HTML tables for layouts started to go out of style. A background in classical design and computer systems technology has enabled him to roam between the worlds of design and development. Dave hails from Ottawa, Canada, where he works remotely for Test Double. So Dave, can I ask you to give us maybe a little bit more insight to your background and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely, Phil. It's good to be here. Uh, I, I kind of think I was a little bit tongue-in-cheek in my uh, my bio talking about table-based layouts, but I, I like to focus on the design aspect of my career because I actually started in IT as, well, a designer, really, and, and not even a developer. Um, got my first computer in 1997, built my GeoCities page because that's what you did when you were in grade 10 <laughs> in 1997. And I really just was drawn to the web via the power of design. And uh, so I, I kind of took it upon myself to learn whatever I could. And at that time, it was just HTML and CSS. And I didn't even know JavaScript back then. And uh, yeah, I ended up doing quite a bit of desktop publishing um, for a while and print design. And then uh, as I had built this eclectic skill set, I ended up doing lots of freelance projects. And inevitably, my web stuff was crossover. And then it one thing led to another and people were saying, oh, well, can you do database stuff? And I said, well, no, I can't, you know, and and then it got to the point where I thought, well, I should probably learn this stuff because everybody seems to be asking for it. And that's sort of what led to my path to development. So it started with design, but led pretty quickly to development. And now I kind of like to sit squarely in a position where I can do both because I, I find that really satisfying. Yeah. So the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how did you get into Test Double? When did that that come about? Test Double started officially about six years ago, and uh, I was had been working at a startup in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, doing Python app development on Google App Engine, and I was there for about two and a half years. This would have been about 10, 11, almost 12 years ago. I did two and a half years at the startup and sort of grew a ton in that amount of time, just was able to wear a lot of hats as you do at a startup, and uh, ended up leaving and didn't have anything set to walk into. And, and I had a friend who, another test doubler, his name's Kevin Barabo. Uh, he had made the transition from Saskatoon down to the US and was working for a consultancy called Pillar Technology. So I submitted an application and uh, one of the co-founders of Test Double, Justin Searles, interviewed me and uh, I got hired as a, a remote consultant. So I worked with Justin pretty directly for about a year on, on my first project. And then uh, the first project that I was on, uh, funnily enough, was managed by the other Testable co-founder, Todd Kaufman. So he was the project manager. Justin was, uh, you know, my peer as a, as a developer, and uh, they ended up leaving Pillar about two years after that and started Testable. And I started initially as a, a contractor and then made the transition to a full-time employee, I guess, five years ago now. So, right, okay, so yeah, that that sounds like it's been quite a journey, and obviously, Justin who has been a previous guest on the show as well, um, is obviously quite central to that. 
yes, yeah. My my experience working with him was transformative. Uh, at that time, when I was working at the previous startup doing Python app development, we were building Facebook apps, and I remember pretty vividly that it was at that time I started learning about the idea of software craftsmanship and quality and things like that. But I I felt that nobody at, at my current company uh, was able to really explain it. And when I started working with Justin, I learned how to TDD, I learned how to write tests, I learned all about the different types of tests, and then being able to pair with him pretty much six to eight hours a day for nine months straight was the best introduction to that whole realm of agile software development that I I think I could have had. So I think I grew more in that nine months pairing with Justin than I did the previous five years. Okay. So you probably know each other pretty well by now. Uh, Yeah. Like I said, it's been almost 10 years, so... Yes. Okay. Right. Um, so Dave, can you perhaps uh, share a career tip with us? Maybe one that the audience doesn't know and should? I think my biggest career advice would be not to chase technology. Uh, if you feel like you're unsatisfied in your current career path and your job that you're working at, and you think there's a shiny new technology that is going to satisfy all of your hopes and desires and and all those things, and then you end up, you know, jumping ship because the, the code base you're working on is stuck in old technology, and you see this new thing that's emerging. If you end up chasing that, what I found is that uh, it ultimately leads to disappointment because the technology isn't really the source of the challenge when it comes to IT. It's people problems, and regardless of the technology, the people problems will still exist. And so, don't disqualify, discount the people problems, and don't chase technology. Would be that would be my number one career tip. Yes, I've heard that described as the shiny penny syndrome. So mm-hmm. uh, it's the new thing or the, yes, the, the thing that you feel you should be interested in. And yeah, it's not always the, the right direction to go. As you say, it's more or more often it's about the people involved. Yes. Yeah. The human factors of software development, I think, are probably logically not very well understood for people just starting in IT because you're just so enamored with all of the technical choices and the learning and the opportunities to grow. And it sort of is euphoric and you maybe miss out on the the human factors. I'm probably overgeneralizing, but I've definitely worked with people who are very cognizant of, of the human factors, but yeah, they, they across all of the companies and sort of consulting engagements that I've worked on the human factors by far are the, the biggest contributor to challenge in an IT career. Yeah, sure. And of course you can extend that point by obviously looking at the fact that IT is really all about the solution in terms of solving problems. So the technology that sits underneath and provides that solution shouldn't really matter as far as delivering that solution is concerned. So yes, it's the right technology for the right solution as opposed to a specific technology. Yes, I agree. So Dave, can you perhaps share with us the story of your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Yeah. So I mentioned uh, I started with Testable as a a contractor and this was Todd and Justin had just started the company and they they hadn't quite figured out the logistics of hiring a full-time employee um, who lived in Canada, which is where I reside, as an American company. And so I started as a contractor as the logical way to start. And uh, I was doing contracts for Testable and also I had a freelance business of my own and and doing other contracts. Uh, And I ended up getting an offer out of the blue from uh, a company in Ottawa called Shopify. They're a pretty large e-commerce startup. And at the time, this was about six-ish years ago, it was intriguing to me and sort of piqued my curiosity because at that time, I had only really worked on smaller scale engagements. And so 
this is sort of a related to the previous point. I, I didn't necessarily chase the technology, but I kind of saw the scale of their operation and thought to myself, oh, if I go work here, I'm going to just gain so much experience in you know a different tech stack, which was Ruby on Rails. And up to that time, I had mostly been working on Java and JavaScript applications. And so there was the technology piece, but but mostly it was like, if I go here, they're operating at you know 60,000 to 80,000 websites. The scale of this is just going to be so great that I'll be able to learn so much and grow so much. It'll just be such a good career booster. So I had a, ended up having a competing offer from Todd and Justin, and I, I turned them down. I went to work for Shopify for about nine months. It was good. I did grow and I learned things, but uh, the biggest, probably the worst moment was I was refactoring their asset pipeline, which at the time, I think it was Rails 4 using sprockets. And uh, it was really slow. It took about five minutes of their entire CI build just to compile the JavaScript because the admin interface for Shopify was, they had hand rolled their own framework called Batman JS. And uh, this was in the era when Backbone and Angular and things like that were just nascent. And so anyway, I, I retooled that to, to compile it um, using Node.js uh, and something called Grunt, uh, which was a task runner at the time that was popular. And we, we were able to bring that down from five minutes in CI to about 20 seconds. So it was a, it was a pretty big improvement to, to that, which led to a lot of improvements. The challenge was uh, we didn't foresee all of the, the sharp objects in the room, um, to use a metaphor, or <laughs> yes. the dragons lurking beneath the surface. And so we ended up deploying this to production and took down the entirety of Shopify's 80,000 websites uh, for about 15 minutes. And so that was my... Uh, Welcome to working at scale. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. You're going to learn lots, but uh, there'll be dragons and you better be careful you don't trip over the cord. So, <laughs> Right. So in terms of the lesson you learned from that, what, what do you think you took away most? I think there's two, right? One is when you're making changes to a significantly large system, you need to be extra cautious to make sure that uh, all of your assumptions are validated. We probably hit the the 80% case. I was working with an ops engineer and really relying on his experience with, um, at the time they were using Capistrano to do their deployments. And he seemed to be the domain expert around this stuff. And it was not obvious. And it was very hard to read and hard to parse and callbacks and things firing all over the place. So to our credit, I think we did a good job, but yeah, just take a little bit more time than you think you need and try to vet all of the, uh, things that you're working on in every environment possible. I think the other thing was the reason this bit us, the QA environment we were deploying to was slightly different than production, uh, which I think is a, a pretty frequent cause of IT pain. If, if those environments are as close as they can be so that you don't get any of those surprises when you deploy to the QA and then your tests go green and CI says it's good. So in this case, there was a slight deviation that you know I just didn't have enough context on. So. So moving away from your worst moment, can you perhaps tell us about your career highlight or greatest success? Getting back to the idea of human factors, I was working for a large oil company in Houston, Texas with Test Double, and uh, process at this organization was, you know, as can be imagined in a large enterprise, a lot of red tape, held up by a lot of red tape, and uh, it was hard to work in that environment. They were doing .NET development and Angular 1 to do visualization applications for um, visualizing metrics on all of the oil wells across Texas and West Texas and New Mexico. So we came in and they they brought myself and uh, another pair in as experts in JavaScript, which is what they were choosing for the front end. We really needed to adapt quickly to figure out how are we going to be able to work with our normal 
feedback loop. We, we definitely prioritize having a fast feedback loop, having a lot of autonomy and be able to do these things. And there was a lot of variables that we just couldn't control. We couldn't, you know, we didn't have any say in what their underlying infrastructure was. We didn't have any say in the network policies. So we had to kind of be creative in, in how we worked around that. So we ended up collaborating with one of their developers who did a lot of the API work um, because he was the domain expert in, in their ASP.NET API. And we sort of built a, a shim and, and our own tooling uh, to allow us to work in isolation on the on the front end with the Angular piece and JavaScript and all the front end assets. So that was really good, a good technical win. And, and we ended up delivering two projects for them. But I think the most uh, impacting thing, getting back to the idea of human factors, was the team lead we were working with at the time at the company just really needed a lot of personal encouragement. And so myself and my other pair that were there we actually invested just a ton of time in coaching him on how to, you know, run meetings better, how to avoid confrontation uh, with coworkers, how to not get defensive. Just a lot of those sort of people skills that that uh, to generalize might be lacking in in IT overall. And we saw a huge transformation uh, in this individual's life to the point where, at the end, he was a completely different person. And you know, we can't take all the credit for that. He put in a ton of hard work, but I really felt like. Uh, we got feedback from him that he actually said, you know, working with you guys changed my life. And so that that was probably the highlight, just hearing that kind of impact from, yeah, we solved their business problem and we solved their software problem, but we also had just a huge impact on somebody's personal life. Indeed. So yeah, it's sort of having a multifaceted impact on not only the the company, but but individuals and, the, and their culture as well. Yes. Yeah. So I want to move on, really. So in, in terms of the IT industry and careers in IT, what excites you? Where, where do you think things are going? And, and what really interests you in the way technology is developing? I'm excited that the barrier of entry seems to be being lowered. There's more code boot camps that are accessible to people that offer a different way to learn, that are structured to provide entry to meet different financial requirements. There's a a pretty well-known boot camp in Toronto called Hacker U, uh, and for the longest time they only had um, basic tuition as one of their you paid upfront tuition to to be able to take the course. And now they sort of structured it, which a lot of other boot camps are doing, where you know you can you can do that, or if you're not able and you don't have the means, you know we'll cover you for that, and then you agree to pay us X percentage of your salary for for a couple of years or something like that. Some people think that's not a great thing, but I think overall, anything that lowers the barrier to entry into IT is a really good thing, and it's an exciting space to be in. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, so I think you're right about the barrier. I think the barrier is becoming easier to to break or to cross. There's certainly more options and more opportunity out there if you want to learn more about being a developer or just getting into the IT industry as a whole. There's so many resources. I mean, I, I participated in building some of those educational resources myself about five and six years ago, I was really into Angular actually around the time I was working for that, the the oil company that I mentioned before. And so just spent a bunch of time taking what I had learned and building screencasts and that proved to be wildly successful. And I got quite a lot of, of feedback on YouTube. So it was kind of twofold. It, it uh, allowed new people to come in um, that were just, you know, new to the working in Angular, but it also just is a great way to solidify lessons that you've learned and, and have things to look back on. So I'm super happy that, you know, I made the choice to do that. And talking about it now makes me think oh, I should get on producing some more of those screencasts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, the contribution side of it as well and, and be able to teach other people what you know. I think yeah. that, that definitely 
is a benefit to you as much as the people who actually received that training. Yeah, it's, there's mutual benefit, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think in general, I see that as uh, something that's improving. It seems like more and more people are desiring to do that and to teach and mentor others. And I think that's a huge benefit. Um, I know one of my best friends when I was pre-developer in the design stage, when I was just sort of exploring this world of IT, I used to go up for coffee with him. His name is Kevin Pierce, and uh, he works at Event right now. And um, he would just answer all of my hard questions, right? And just invest time. And, and, and I was really having a hard time connecting the dots on how all of these pieces, you know, how does a database fit into things? What is a domain specific language? What is anything that I could come across that I didn't really know? And he just helped me connect all the dots and was really gracious. So I, th- I think I see other people doing that and sort of that's a good behavior to emulate uh, in IT and, and hopefully more people will do that. Yeah, agreed. I hope they do as well. So Dave, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Yep. Sounds like fun. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? The salary. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because uh, I had been working freelance as a designer doing websites and stuff, but I couldn't do the back end. And I was applying at jobs and they just said, we can't hire you because you don't have a a piece of paper. Uh, so that's kind of what prompted me to go back to school and do a, a two-year computer systems technology diploma to make a bit more money and not be a starving artist, so to speak. Right. Okay. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? I think the best career advice that I've ever received was actually from Justin. We were pairing on my first engagement with him, and uh, I was frustrated because he was trying to communicate the value of test-driven development. And at that time, I was just very used to starting with the code first and, and not thinking about tests. And so I, w- I would be impatient. And uh, he did a really good job of letting me go down that path until it was painful. <laughs> and then sort of slowly coming in and suggesting maybe there's a better way. And then we ended up having a really good conversation about it. And, and he was gracious enough to allow me to make mistakes and fail uh, and he talked openly about that. Um, and I think that's really good advice for somebody entering IT that's new uh, is to allow yourself the freedom to fail and use that pain as a way to change the way that you're doing things and to evaluate your process and to to think about it hard enough that it causes you to to question those things. So he gave me that advice indirectly at first, but then we had very good conversations about it. So. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I'd probably actually invest a lot more time into relational databases. The computer systems technology diploma I did was very broad. It covered like uh, networking, software, client and server, hardware as well. I worked as a computer technician for a little while, so I had all of that. But we really didn't cover much in the way of database advanced concepts. We talked about like normalization and all the different normal forms and things like that and a, a couple different databases. But I feel like if you wanted to specialize being a, a database admin and understanding the nuts and bolts of like PostgreSQL or because or, Postgres is the best database, um, those kinds of things, <laughs> I, I would definitely probably want to go deeper in that side of things to really get a handle on data modeling. And the reason I think that's important is because I think often we start uh, without thinking about the data, and we paint ourselves into a corner pretty quickly. And I've seen that at many clients. So Yes, that's a good point, definitely. 
What career objectives are you currently focusing on? My LinkedIn profile says I, I kind of see myself most successful when I'm positioned at the intersection of mentoring, learning, and delivering. So I think that rings true. A lot of uh, the last 10 years has been squarely focused on delivering and maybe mentoring by um, association or sort of implicitly. So I'm really trying to up the, my game on the, the mentoring part and having an impact more on people's personal lives um, explicitly. So figuring out uh, who are the people in my community that need help to level up in whatever way and making myself available to them. Yeah, that's a great objective, definitely. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Absolutely, without a doubt, my my musical abilities. My mom was a piano and voice teacher, so I grew up as a as a child singing along with her as she did her scale practices and and piano. And then, of course, she, she put all of us, me and my siblings, into music. So I play piano, drums, bass, and guitar, and I find that the creative outlet is just such a good fit. The musical creative outlet is such a good fit for IT. And there's a lot of crossover between musicality and sort of identifying patterns and improvisation and all these things that I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of. So music is is probably the biggest non-technical skill that's helped me. Right. Yes, yeah, so that's certainly an answer we haven't had before. Definitely. <laughs> Great. Well, it's good to hear. It's, it's certainly a different perspective as well. And I hadn't really considered, as you say, the pattern element of it as well. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Well, even the math side, there is just so much mathematically about music, but the pattern recognition is, is the big one. And I just, I feel very much in spirit when I am at my best improvising in code. And it, it feels like music, it feels like being able to play with a group of people and understand where they're going and then sort of match the, their musical idea in real time. And, and when you can kind of get to a team where you have that experience, it's very much like playing in a band and uh, it just clicks and, and you sort of complete each other's musical phrases. You complete each other's code phrases. Dave, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career Energizer audience? When you feel like it's time to move on, reconsider that two, three, four times extra. Because <laughs> I think uh, if there's one thing I've learned in all of the different clients and companies that I've worked for is when I feel like I'm at the end of my rope, there's probably someone I could talk to or something I could do to change and reframe the engagement so that it, it turns out in a positive light. And uh, I feel like that would be a better path to look back on as, as you know, 10 or 15 years removed from when I entered this IT phase to be able to look back at a pattern of achieving success in the midst of adversity instead of sort of just jumping ship and moving to another company when things don't fit our acceptance criteria of, of what a career looks like. If I could tell my younger self, it would be like, just stick it out a little bit longer and, and try to find somebody who will help you reframe the engagement in a way that's positive. Right. Okay. So yeah, looking at looking at how you currently or your current situation and reevaluating it before you make a, a decision that you can't necessarily reverse. Yes. Yeah. The idea is like adversity provides us an opportunity to rise to a challenge instead of just, you know, run. Um, people talk about their reaction to certain environments. And we ha some people have a fight mentality where they get um, aggressive and they want to really conquer things. And other people have a flight mentality where they want to run from things. Like most things in life, those are two extremes. And the right answer is somewhere in the middle, a happy medium where you know maybe I fight for a little bit. And then when I've proved that it's not worth fighting for, that's 
when I can make a rational decision about when to, to move on to the next thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is dmosher, D-M-O-S-H-E-R. Uh, I'm, that's the only place I'm that handle. I'm Dave Mo pretty much everywhere else on GitHub, on LinkedIn, on YouTube. I think I'm David Mosher, my full name. I think those are the, the most relevant IT places you could find me. Dave, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, it was my pleasure, Phil. Thanks. Uh, really great time and appreciated your, your thought into the flow. And yeah, the questions were great. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in to today's episode and to my guest career tips, advice and experiences. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e and then the number of today's episode. And a quick reminder that the show has now three episodes every week on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure that you are subscribed to the show to get new episodes automatically downloaded. Also, don't forget to join the IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. You'll get to engage with other like-minded people, get to find out more about upcoming guests and other episodes and can get involved in the future direction of the podcast. It really is a great pleasure to be able to talk to so many inspirational people from across the industry and to be able to share their stories and advice with you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.